0: So what brought you to Cuba? So what brought me to Cuba? So we have to go back 10 years. So in 2009, uh, the Global Forum for Health Research had its biannual meeting in Havana. And the Global Forum um, for Health Research is a really interesting organization. They promoted the idea of the 1090 gap, which is that only 10% of the world's total expenditure on health research is devoted to the developing world. Mm. Ninety percent of the world's expenditure on health research is um, devoted just to the um, high-income countries. Mm. So the global forum on health research, um, really interesting 1090 gap idea. I wanted to learn more about the organization and get involved with uh, people who are involved with that organization and they had a meeting in 2009 in Havana. Mm-hmm. As an American, it's not easy to get to Cuba. Mm-hmm. So this was an opportunity for me finally to get in, to get the chance to go to Cuba as an official participant in the Global Forum for Health Research um, meeting. At the same time that this opportunity to travel to Cuba came up, I had really been struggling with thinking about the second half of my academic career. And I had been working on HIV in, in, the, in Africa for 15 years. And I thought, okay, we're, I'm at the halfway point here. What's next? More of the same or something different? And thinking about the conference and then I uh, and learned more about Cuba and I discovered that Cuba had one of the lowest rates of HIV in the Americas, which was quite surprising to me for on many levels. Surprising that I didn't know that as a global health researcher, and also surprising to me to think about conducting health research, particularly HIV-AIDS research, in an environment where um, it wasn't as prevalent as, where it, as it has been where I'd spent most of my career in Uganda. So I thought, what are the challenges to me as a health researcher, as an anthropologist interested in HIV AIDS, to shift from a place like Uganda with its high rates of HIV, to thinking about HIV in a place that has a very, very, very low rate of HIV. So what are the challenges to me as an academic to move from one situation to the next? How would it then, thinking about HIV in Cuba, how would it make me think about HIV in Uganda or in Africa in a different way and vice versa? Are there any lessons that can be learned from the Cuba case that I could take back to Africa? So it was really a lot of things, it was a moment in my career where I was sort of rethinking the next steps for me as a researcher, an opportunity to go to a place that I'd always wanted to go, but I couldn't. As an American, it was really difficult to travel to Cuba. And um, so, uh, and then the opportunity to meet a bunch of colleagues at this really interesting meeting Global Forum for Health Research. So that's how it all started. All right. Makes sense. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so my sense is that there are barriers to collaboration into americans doing research in cuba um so i guess what was the process like to gain access to cubans to interview about hiv in cuba right so it is a challenge uh so one of so t- two things happened for me at this meeting i mean this is a real watershed moment for me When I got to Cuba with this interest in thinking about what would a research project look like for me, thinking about HIV in a place where it had very low prevalence, where I had only done research where it was a very high uh, prevalence rate, how do you design a research study? What are the questions you ask? How do you go about that? and getting to Cuba and seeing how easy it was for everyone in the world to get there and to have already developed these relationships with Cuban researchers, whereas the challenges and obstacles were just phenomenal for Americans. So I was surprised by that. The Canadians have deep roots and really wonderful uh, academic research relationships with Cubans. And it just seemed like such a lost, ridiculous lost opportunity Um, that Americans don't have good research relationships with their Cuban colleagues. So I knew about a really important Cuban researcher, Dr. Jorge Perez Avila, and I knew he was going to be at the meeting. And I knew that he would be a really key person for me to meet and to just start to talk about research ideas that I had with him. And I had a chance to meet him. We sat down, and I learned about the book that he had been writing, which is a collection of interviews um, with his AIDS patients. And we started to collaborate on trying to translate that from Spanish into English and just developed a wonderful relationship, um, kind of a mentor-mentee relationship. And he really helped introduce me to a lot of, the leading HIV-AIDS researchers in Cuba. He introduced me to Mariela Castro, who runs CineSex. She invited me to give a talk. So it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, And the touchstone is always getting back to to Jorge, right? He's he's at the center of everything related to HIV, uh, offering advice and networking. Um, And then the next step uh, was to think about the project. And think about what an anthropologist could bring to a study of HIV in Cuba, particularly through the perspective of people who had been in the sanatorium um, long term, people who had been there intermittently, uh, people who had uh, been there only for the bare minimum of time that they required, and to think about the experience of HIV through the lens of um, the sanatorium experience completely unique, the only place in the world where you can think about HIV, the experience of being HIV positive mediated through um, this very formal structure. So that's how it worked out. Mm -hmm. So you've kind of already begun to answer my last Mm -hmm. question for you which uh, was why interviews, like why was that your approach to studying the epidemic in Cuba and what do you think after having conducted all of these interviews that we can sort of take away from your work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I'll get at some of that on the podcast. I know. I was going to say, you're really the expert on that last that last part. Thank you. Um, why interviews? Well, because I'm an anthropologist, and that's the number one method that we use. We talk to people. We Our data, most important data, is data that comes from the lived experience of our... Um, our our collaborators, our community collaborators. So anthropologists will collect all kinds of other data for sure, Um, quantitative data, we use mixed methods, but really at the core of what we do is to understand the lived experience of the people that we talk to. So interviews first and foremost are where we start because we need to know from, we have a question as a researcher, certainly that drives us, to it begins the process for us, but that just gets us to the place. What we really want to do is understand how people experience whatever our question is, how they, what their struggles are, what the facilitators and barriers are to whatever our question might be. Um, and to learn from them and to learn with them and to have them guide what our next steps are as researchers. So interviews, I can't imagine being an anthropologist and not doing interviews. So that's the first thing to say. The second thing to say is it's always surprising, it has just been so perplexing to me why the Cuban example as a case study in public health is not more Frequently taught in programs of global health, I just don't understand why. If you look at the textbooks, global health textbooks, and you look at syllabi, global health courses, introduction to global health in the U.S., Cuba is very rarely mentioned. It's just so perplexing to me. So, so another goal was to try to find an opportunity to um, understand what. I could learn about Cuba, public health and global health, and particularly around HIV, what I could learn about that to bring back to the U.S. and to integrate into my teaching. Um, So interviews would be something that were really distinct and really unique, and that would be something that would distinguish what it was, the story that I could tell to my students back in the United States, um, that would make make it much more intimate. And so part of the challenge in talking about Cuba in the global health classroom in the US is if students know anything about it, it's generally a negative, they generally have a negative idea, a very limited idea about uh, what Cuba is and um, even a suspicious idea about if any positive, statistics were uh, students have are suspicious about the statistics that come out of Cuba so my t- strategy here is to set aside statistics to set aside governmental agency reports on Cuba to set aside the politics and understand and to meet cubans and understand their lived experience and to be able to share that so it's a way uh, create a new story, a different story, a more intimate story about Cuba to share with students in my classroom. So that's that's why interviews. Lovely. Yeah. All right. So I think that's all the questions okay. that I have for you. So thanks for answering them.